All right. How's everybody doing tonight? Good, good, good. Well, I am from Seattle, Washington. I, I mentioned this yesterday, but uh, God loves Seattle simply because of the Seattle Seahawks. So I just want to, I see one Steelers fan back there. Steelers fan right there. Is that a Steelers? Yeah. Everybody stretch a hand. We're going to pray for that person right now. In Jesus' name. No. You know, the, the Bible describes the devil that he came to steal kill, and I'm just messing with you, man. But hey, it's good to be here uh, in Canada once again, and uh, good to be with good friends, Ben and James and the crew here at first, and uh, honored to be with you tonight here at Tehila. Man, you guys love Jesus, don't you? I can sense that in this place. And tonight, uh, we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus, and over the next few minutes that we have together, I want to share a message with you entitled, A Risky Reach, A Risky Reach. How many of us in the room, we would say that we are risk takers? Any risk takers in the room? All right, all right. There's a few of us. How many of us, we are more play it safe type of people? Any play it safe? You avoid risk. You know, you can always tell a a risk taker because these are the people who are passing on hand sanitizer during flu season. They're like, no, I'll just take it into my own hands. I got it, right? Risky people. But for me, I I know by my nature, I'm a little bit more of a play it safe type of guy. In fact, I have three children. My wife and I, last week, we celebrated 14 years of marriage, by the way. I have three children. I have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old and a six-year-old, boy, boy, girl. And uh, a number of years ago, our eight-year-old son, he got some rollerblades from his grandparents. And when he opened up the box, it was like he had just won a trip to Disneyland. I mean, he cracks open the box, and he's like, rollerblades, right? And he's just screaming, and he's like, Dad, I want to go now. And I'm looking at him going, you're going to kill yourself if you do that, bud. Like, we need to find every pad in the house. And so I go on this journey, and I don't just find a helmet. I find knee pads. I find elbow pads. I find the wrist protectors, right? I'm even looking for bubble wrap just to wrap him up. Why? Because this kid of mine, he is the accident-prone one. He's the kid who, if he stands up on top of a chair, he falls and he needs stitches. Literally, they had us on like a speed check-in process at the doctor's office to get stitches with him. I just showed the fast pass. They're like, justice again? I was like, yep, justice. Here we go. Stitches once again. And that, that design inside of me is like, I, I'm not necessarily a risk taker. And yet, I, every now and then, I, I have situations, environments where friends like to stretch me to maybe move beyond where I'm comfortable. Anybody have a friend that kind of moves you beyond where you're comfortable? What's interesting, we're going to talk in a moment about a story where Jesus really does something that makes some people uncomfortable. Can I remind you of a fact really quick that Jesus' primary concern is not your comfort, It's not your number one concern that he has for you. And 
There's moments in our lives where we, got, we get kind of pushed out of our comfort zone. One of these moments happened in my life a couple summers ago. I was with some friends, and anybody like swimming in the lake? Any lake swimmers? And I went swimming with some buddies of mine, and they said, hey, we're, we're going to go do some, some cliff diving. Cliff diving. And I'm like, no, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do that. And they're like, no, you're going to do that. And I'm like, no, I don't do that. And they're like, no, you're going to. So we go out to the lake. And we get to the spot, and I look down, and I'm like, no, we're not going to do this. And all of a sudden, my first friend jumps off, second friend jumps off, and now I'm there standing. And what, what do I do? I get put in an awkward position, right? <laughs> and I look down, and I, I see what looks like jagged rocks below perfectly calm water, jagged rocks. And one of my buddies who's now treading water says, just jump out. Oh, thank you. I was going to just jump straight down, but since you said out, I'll go out now. And so I'm trying to figure out if I'm actually going to do it. And so I finally build up the courage. I pray for a few seconds and I just say, you know, okay, here we go. And I jump out and I make it. I'm like, okay, thank you. My wife's going to be disappointed with me that I would even think about doing this. We get over to the dock and they go, okay, uh, we got the kind of warm up one done. Now let's do the real one. I'm like, what do you mean the real, that, that was the real one, right? And they're looking at me going, no, that's the one that the kids jump off of. In fact, my, my niece just did that yesterday, and I'm like, come on, niece, you're making me look bad, right? And I, I'm like, what do you mean the real one? They go, that one up there, and I go, uh, no, no, and they talk me into walking up there and we get to the top and have you ever been out on a ledge and it feels like the wind is blowing just a little bit stronger and in my mind I'm like guys this isn't safe there's a hurricane force wind right now and they're like Tyler you're in eastern Washington hurricanes don't exist here you're fine and I come up with what I felt like was a foolproof plan right because if you didn't Instagram it it didn't happen right And so I said, hey, I'll be the one who takes the photos. So I grab the phone, and I go, I'll go down back where it's safe by that first cliff, and I'll just, I'll get photos of you guys going. I'm like, okay. So I get my first friend, Micah, he goes and jumps and just like, I'm like, okay, got it, nailed it. That's going to be awesome on Instagram, right? Then my friend Jared goes, same thing, nail the photo. I'm like, guys, you got to see these photos. It's amazing. Let's go back. They go, no, 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 give us the camera, you're going. And I get up to the edge, and I I wish that I was making this up, but I get to the edge, and I'm trying to, like, look for something to hold on to, like a weed, a shrub, a squirrel, anything to give me some stability, right? And I'm working my way out, and I look over the edge, and remember how I said I could see rock? There was rocks below the water, and, and now all of a sudden I, I look down, and they look scarier. And they look further, and again, one of them says, just jump out. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you, I'll get there. And in my mind, I'm trying to figure out how on earth I'm going to make this happen. And 
in the moment where I'm literally about to just tuck my tail and just live with the fact that they're going to make fun of me for the next two years, I'm about to bow out and just say, hey, I can't do it. My wife will ground me. You know, I'm looking for any excuse that I can come up with, right? And is the moment I'm about to walk away from the edge, I notice these two kayakers coming along the edge of the water. And I notice that one of them happens to be an elderly lady. And as I'm getting ready to turn around, I hear this voice. And she yells, come on, you pansy, jump! And I was like, oh, no, you didn't. And I just, like, cannonballed on top of her. No, I I wish I would have done that. But I had to jump at that point, right? You see, the truth is, friends... Many of us, we don't necessarily love risky situations. Why is it? Because at the end of the day, many of us like to be in control. We like control, don't we? And for those of us who raise our hands and say, well, Tyler, what what you need to know about me is I am a risk taker. You see, the the truth is for many of us who love to push ourselves into risk is we like control. We like control. But sometimes Jesus will call us to do things that are out of our control. Sometimes Jesus will call us to do things that are beyond our comfort zone, right? See, what I want you to understand, there's always a level of risk involved in reach. If you've ever been rock climbing before, you know to go from one point on the cliff to the next point to let go of the hold that you have and get to the next one, that requires a level of what? Risk, right? And what I want you to understand is we look together in Mark chapter 2 tonight. We're going to read a story about a man named Levi. I want you to understand that there's no one too risky or beyond the reach of Jesus. There is no one too risky. This is so important as, as we approach Easter weekend, as we approach this life of not just living around Jesus, but living on mission with Jesus, we have to come to the place where we understand there's no one too risky or beyond the reach of Jesus. Look with me in Mark chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles, it's, there's a big one up on the screen behind me. It says this. It says, he, speaking of Jesus, went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Picture this for a moment. Jesus is there walking along the shore. Man, the crowds are excited. He's performed miracles. He's beginning to teach and reveal truths about the kingdom of God. And here they are as this teaching procession is going along. It says this, that, and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Now, some of us, we hear that and go, that's a nice story. Jesus calls another disciple, and he gets up and leaves everything and goes. But what you might not understand is this is actually a pretty risky reach that Jesus makes. Here's why. It continues on. It says this in verse 15, and as he, speaking of Jesus, reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, the religious elite, the people who had it all together, 
the ones who were kind of, quote unquote, on the inside track with God, at least as it seemed. When they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, he said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. In other words, Jesus is saying, I didn't come for those who think they're doing fine just on their own. I didn't come to try to put a Band-Aid on those who feel like they don't need a Band-Aid. I've come for those who know they need a rescuer. I've come for those who know they need a physician. You see, you look at these verses here in Mark, and you may ask, well, why, what's so risky about this? Well, think for a moment about Jesus' interaction with this man named Levi. Here's Levi sitting at the booth doing what he does every day. Now, you may know this, you may not know this, but tax collectors in that day were a group of people who were despised, right? And this hits home to me real close right now because in the U.S., it's almost tax season. Every April, it's tax season. And so, man, it's tough, right? But it's so much more of a reality in this culture, in this season. Why? Because this man named Levi was a Jew, yet he was working for Rome, the occupying force. And not just that, but he would extort money. Tax collectors were known for overcharging and and basically robbing their fellow countrymen. And here's Jesus, a teacher, a rabbi, And he walks up to this man named Levi and says, hey, Levi, follow me. By the way, when Jesus asks him to follow him, he's not looking just for a walking companion. Jesus isn't going, hey, Levi, they haven't created iPhones yet. I don't know how many steps I've taken. You seem pretty good at counting. Why don't you walk with me? That's not what Jesus is asking. Jesus is inviting him into discipleship, in the The religious leaders could not handle this, right? Levi was an outcast. He was hated by his countrymen. He was a traitor and a sinner. And yet, not only that, but the very next scene, we see Jesus in the house, hanging out, eating, not with the religious elite, but the sinners. Sounds like a risky situation to me. Sounds like a little bit of a a risky reach. And the religious leaders, they couldn't understand it. Jesus, why are you hanging out with people like that? Do you know their reputation? Do you know what they've been doing? Do you know where they were last weekend? And Jesus is like, yeah, I do. In fact, it's the very purpose of why I came. Friends, there's no one that's too risky or beyond the reach of Jesus. You look at this, and I want you to consider for a few moments some of the things that we see Jesus do in these few short verses. The first is this. We see Jesus reach. Everybody say, he reached. He reached. This is significant. 
Because when Jesus approaches Levi, and guess what? Levi actually becomes a pretty well-known dude. Later on, his name is changed to Matthew, and he's the same Matthew who penned the first gospel in your Bible. That guy, the outcast, the one who should have been shunned, should have been rejected. He was off limits. Why? Because of his occupation, his life choices, his lifestyle. He should have been out of bounds, but Jesus looks at him and says, Levi, follow me. Jesus was willing to reach, to reach. And by the way, he didn't just reach out to people who had it all together. And so tonight, listen, if you're in this place and you don't feel like you have it all together, maybe you thought it was all about you reaching your way up to God, here's what we see about Jesus. He's actually the God who put on flesh and reached out to us. People who are off limits, people who aren't perfect, People who don't have it all together, they don't know the right moment to lift their hands and worship, right? Come on, some of us tonight during worship, it was building, 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 and we're like, oh yeah, nailed it. Oh good, she saw me too. Jesus doesn't just reach people who have it all together. Friend, if you keep telling yourself, well, I got to fix myself, I got to clean myself up, before God reaches out to you, you've missed the point of the gospel. Jesus reached. How does he reach Levi? He, He calls him not just to come attend a church service at some point. He says, follow me. Is this not crazy to anybody else? Jesus invites this guy to be a disciple before he has his act together. Jesus reached. Jesus reached. And guess what? Jesus is still reaching. The person that you look at on your college campus, the person that you look at in your workplace and you go, I know God can reach that person, but that person, out of bounds, off limits. Guess what? Jesus specializes in reaching the least likelies. He reached, he reached. You see, the truth is, friends, I'm here tonight because of a reach. What about you? The only reason I'm standing here, the only reason why I'm even entrusted to hold a mic is because at some point in my life, I had a youth pastor, I had a youth leader, I had parents who encountered Jesus, and they continued to reach out to me and pull me to a point where I would experience Jesus. I'm here tonight not because I put my life together myself. I'm here tonight because Jesus saw a man who wasn't just broken, but who was spiritually dead, and he reached to this kid named Tyler Soli. I'm here because of a reach. What about you? What about you? See, not only do we see Jesus reach, but we see that he received. Can you say he received? What I love about this story is Jesus didn't just stop with an invitation. Come on, sometimes as as Christians, we're good at passing out touch cards. We're bad at actually receiving people into our lives. I'll try this side. Sometimes as Christians, we're good at passing out touch cards. We're sometimes bad at actually receiving people into our lives. Oh, there we go. Okay, all right. 
Imagine the story that we're reading and Mark writes, and Jesus had a touch card, ran over to the booth and said, hey, Levi, there's a man coming up. You should come to it. Come on. doesn't say that. It says that Jesus not only reached out to him, but he received him. How do we know he received him? Because the very next verse, they're all having dinner together. And some of us go, well, they were just hungry. They're dudes. They're like James. They know every place to eat in the city of Calgary. He's taken me some cool restaurants the last couple of days. But we notice that Jesus actually not only reaches out to this man named Levi, who later becomes Matthew, one of the authors of the Gospels, who should be off limits and is off limits in the minds of the religious people. But Jesus actually receives him. And how do we know that? Because they're sharing a meal together. See, one of the most intimate expressions of relationship and fellowship was sharing a meal together. You would never share a meal together with an enemy. You would never share a meal together with somebody who was off limits or out of bounds. And what do we see Jesus doing? He's sharing a meal, not just with Levi and his other disciples, but did you notice who else shows up? All of Levi's squad. All of those other dirty, filthy, nasty, cussing, whatever tax collectors, right? And notorious sinners. And Jesus doesn't just reach. He receives. He receives. And this is exactly what the religious leaders couldn't understand. They weren't so disturbed that Jesus called Levi to kind of take a walk with him. What disturbed them is that he would actually share a meal with people like that. You ever found yourself looking at another Christian hanging out with maybe somebody who you considered sketchy? And you were like, don't you know what they've done? They're dirty. And you might get yourself dirty. Right? And yet here is Jesus in the midst of the mess. And he's sharing a meal with people than less than ideal stories. Jesus reached and he received. What I want you to notice is that Jesus is willing to receive people even before their behavior catches up with their belief. And I don't know about you. That's good news for me. Because some of us, we believe in Jesus, but our behavior hasn't yet caught up with what we say we believe. But here's the good news. Jesus is still working with you, working on you, reaching towards you. He has received you. See, sometimes as followers of Jesus, we go, listen, until you behave right, you can't hang out with us. Until you actually show that your behavior matches up 100% with your beliefs, you don't belong here, right? But here's the challenge with that thought. All of us are in trouble at that point. Because isn't it true that we all kind of 
mess up at some points? I mean, has anybody been cut off in traffic recently? Don't tell me you didn't do sign language. Don't tell me that the little parental advisory sticker, at least maybe it didn't come out of your mouth, but it should have been on what was in your mind, right? See, we don't hit it right all the time, friends, and yet we have a God who not only reaches, but he receives less than perfect people. And some of us, listen, we are wearing ourselves out because we go, okay, God is so disappointed with me. God can't be happy with me. God must be angry with me. I have to fix this situation in order for him to receive me. What Jesus reminds us of is we can't do anything to get us in a place to be received by God. He is the one who has to bring us into the place where we are received by God. That's the point, friends, of the gospel, of salvation. See, when we truly receive people, when we, when we receive others, I want us to know something about, notice something about the position of Jesus that we read about. Notice the position that's described. It says that he what? He reclined. Listen to what it says in verse 15. It says, And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. This is fascinating to me. Jesus was comfortable in the reach. You ever had somebody over at your house and it was awkward? What's your position like? Can I ask this? Honestly, let's think about this for a moment. Anybody remember a recent family gathering and it wasn't comfortable? It was awkward? Your position kind of changes, right? You're kind of like... Notice, Jesus is surrounded by professional sinners. People who are really good at sinning. And it says that Jesus isn't sitting there going, oh my goodness, what are we going to do about this, Father? They just broke not just the 10th, but the 11th commandment too. No, did you see what it said about Jesus? Look at this. It says, and as he Reclined at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners were what? Reclining with him. Listen, when you have your friends over, when you're comfortable with the people who are over, you don't just kind of, come on, some of us, we're like this. Hey, is there anything else in the fridge? Why don't you go grab me another soda water? Because, uh. I am relaxed right now. What's fascinating, Jesus isn't the only one reclining, though. Because sometimes, listen, sometimes we are so consumed on our preferences that when sinful people show up, guess what? They're not kicked back. They're like this.
And yet Jesus had something on his life that allowed sinful, flawed, broken people to be comfortable around him. Is that a good description of your church? Is it a good description of your life? Is there room in your circle for less than perfect people? Because here's what I love about my Jesus. There was room in his circle for less than perfect people. Because for Jesus, it didn't just stop at an invitation or a reach. I gave him a touch card. It's kind of up to them now. He didn't even stop at receiving and breaking a meal together. Understand the position that Jesus is in. Did you know that he's not wringing his hands as he looks at you going, they're going to mess everything up. Everything that I did. Friends, he cried out on the cross, it is finished. He completed the work he came to do. All of your mess, all of your baggage, all of your failure, all of your fracture, all of your flaws, it is covered as you put your trust in him. There's more than enough grace in Jesus. There's more than enough grace at the foot of the cross for you, no matter what the background of your life is. And here's the truth. It's not just for you. It's for the people who we also sometimes go, it's a little risky, Tyler. I don't know, Tyler, that, that sounds like a risky reach. You don't really understand. I, I can see how God would choose them, but, but the section over here, look at, they're sitting in darkness. God talks about darkness. He says, come out of the darkness, right? He reached. He received. But notice Jesus' position. He reclined. Friends, this is so much different than awkward evangelism. You ever seen awkward evangelism? You're hanging out with some friends from your campus, or you're hanging out with some friends from the city, and all of a sudden somebody stubs their toe and cusses, and you're like, thou shalt not cuss. Says it somewhere. And then you go to your pastor, man, I've just been witnessing for the Lord, just bearing my cross. That's not reclining. By the way, it doesn't help those who are not yet followers of Christ to recline either, does it? There was room in Jesus' heart for those who didn't have it all together. See, again, I want to remind you, there's no one too risky for Jesus to reach. If Jesus wanted to play it safe, don't you think his target audience would have been the Pharisees, the religious leaders? Pretty safe. Not a lot of risk there. These are the guys who didn't just take the Ten Commandments, but they made up a whole bunch of other laws on top of it. Not a lot of risk there. But Jesus gives us his purpose of why he came. Did you notice it? It was in the last verse of what we read. He said, I didn't come for those who think they're doing just fine on their own. I came like a doctor who, for those who know 
They need healing. Friends, understand this. The only way you can ever receive grace is empty-handed. The moment that we try to show up to God and go, God, look, look, I've done all these. Do you love me now? Do you accept me now? Has it been enough now? We miss the point. The only way to receive grace is with an open hand. It's the point that Jesus is talking about. I didn't come for those who think they're doing fine in and of themselves. I came for those who know they need a doctor. See, that's why he came. Two questions that I want you to consider tonight before we close. The first question is this. Am I willing to trust the reach of Jesus? I want you to think about that statement for a second. Are you actually willing to trust the reach of Jesus? Or in your mind, have you equated Christianity with, well, it's, it's Jesus plus my efforts. It's Jesus plus my devotion. It's Jesus plus my spiritual disciplines, which all those things are great. Don't get me wrong. We need to be people who are walking in spiritual disciplines. We need to be people who are plugged into the local church and giving and serving. But if you think that your addition is actually helping Jesus, you're missing the point. And I just wonder how many of us sitting in the room tonight, we look at our lives, we look at our decisions, we say, Tyler, (laughs) I mean, I, I hear what you're saying about Jesus making risky reaches, but I've done too much. I mean, I'm a little bit beyond that status. Friend, are you willing to trust the reach of Jesus? Not your reach toward him, but his reach towards you. Second question, though, I want you to consider is this. Am I willing to reach even when risk is required? Because listen, if you are a follower of Jesus... It's not optional. It's not optional to go, well, reaching isn't really my thing. I'm more of like a background person. The mission of Jesus, he said he came to seek and to save the lost. And guess how he chooses to do that? It's through his body, through his followers. And I want to ask you tonight, are you willing to reach? Because guess what? All of Calgary is not saved yet. Have you noticed this? Therefore, the church of Jesus has work to do. It means we got work to do, right? And that's not just the role of the pastor and go, well, pastor, that's your job. That's why we pay you the big bucks. And your pastor's going, <laughs> All of our assignments to reach. Well, Tyler, that sounds kind of risky. Yep. I don't really know if I have an outgoing personality. Guess what? God's giving you the personality you have for a reason. Use it. If you're an introvert, God's not calling you to try to be an extrovert. And if you're an extrovert, you're an extrovert, right? Like, I mean, (laughs) it just is what it is. And all the extroverts said, amen, right? Okay. 
Am I willing to trust the reach of Jesus? And will I reach even when it requires risk? Here's the point. Jesus not only saves sinners, he loves sinners. Why would he do that for Levi? Levi, you've screwed everything up. Get in here. Eat the bread. Eat the bread, Levi. (sighs) Had to come down here and fix your mess. Jesus not only saves sinners, friends, he loves sinners. That's you and I. That's the city of Calgary. It's the nation of Canada. Jesus not only saves sinners, he loves sinners. I love the words of the Apostle Paul. He talks about this, this principle right here in 1 Timothy 15. He says this. Can we look at that really quick, 1 Timothy? Do we have that, 15? Listen to what Paul says. This blows me away. This is a trustworthy saying. In other words, you can bank on this. And everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came in the world to save good people. No, it doesn't say that, right? Christ Jesus came in the world to what? To save sinners. That's his assignment. And then Paul has the audacity to say the next statement. He says, and I am the worst of them all. Do you ever read scripture and pause and go, hold on, I gotta let that sink in. I do that when I read this because I'm thinking about this going, okay, Paul, born into the right family, raised as a Pharisee, knew the law, knew the Torah, was, was zealous for God, has a encounter, a revelation with Jesus on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. He then goes and plants churches throughout the known world. Oh, and by the way, in his spare time, he pens two-thirds of the New Testament. And Paul's self-description is, I'm the worst. And I'm going, if you're the worst... What does that make me? (laughs) Worst. Somewhere down here, right? But listen, listen to the point, friends. Look at this. It says, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst. Friends, you're not saved so that you can just sit in a church and go, look, a museum of holy people. No, we're saved so that our lives will be an example. But Tyler, there's risk in that. Exactly. Exactly. It's a risky reach. It says then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Friends, Jesus not only saves sinners, he loves sinners. So what keeps you and I from Reaching and from risking, I think a lot of it is because we feel like we have to be the physician. In other words, we go, well, Tyler, I don't have all the answers. I, I don't know if I can help that person. I, I don't really don't know how to address what they're walking through. What, what am I supposed to do? I don't have what it takes. That's a great place to start because Jesus said, he's the physician. He didn't say you have to be the physician. All we have to do is continue to point people to the physician the one who is the solution, the one who can bring healing, the one who can bring hope, the one who brought the very things that our hearts and our souls are longing for. 
Will you reach even when it requires risk? Can I tell you, friends, it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. Our worship pastor at our church, and I close with this, I'll invite the band to come. Our worship pastor at our church, her name is Mariah. She told me a story. Just the other week, she was in the midst of moving. Her family just bought a house. They're preparing to, for the move and all these assignments and all these responsibilities and all these details. And Mariah tells me that one afternoon she had to run to the bank and she didn't have time. It was inconvenient, but it had to get done. How many of you understand that dynamic? Sometimes stuff just has to get done. She's driving to the bank, kind of frustrated about it. Man, I don't want to do this right now. And it's raining, as always, in Seattle. She pulls in, and she notices as she parks her car, there's a young lady sitting on the sidewalk with her hood up, weeping as it's raining. And she parks just in time to notice somebody walk by this weeping young lady, look at her, but continue on their merry way into the restaurant. And the Holy Spirit said, that's why, go. Mariah's mind, she's going, man, I gotta, gotta take care of stuff, gotta get to the bank, gotta do this, gotta do that. Mariah goes up and begins to talk to this young lady. You see, this girl is weeping because she had made some rough decisions the night before and woke up in a house she didn't even know where she was the next morning. Oh, to make matters worse, she's barefoot. She couldn't find her shoes the next morning. Mariah could tell by how she was dressed that she probably had less than an ideal occupation. Go ahead, fill in the blanks. Mariah just begins to talk to her. The Holy Spirit says to her, there's a shoe store two doors down. Go buy this girl some shoes. Mariah takes the girl, and what was crazy is somebody had just blessed Mariah that weekend with some cash. Somebody in the church literally walked up to Mariah and said, I don't know why, but I feel like Jesus told me to give you this, the exact amount to buy this girl a pair of shoes. Could you imagine if the story said, well, got your shoes fixed, peace, but it didn't stop there. Mariah took her in her car and drove her to a bus stop, made sure she could get on a bus, the right bus, to get home after what's been a number of hours of shame. There's some risk there, isn't there? And Mariah begins to have this conversation with her about Jesus because this girl looks at Mariah with tears in her eyes and goes, are you an angel? And Mariah's like, no. And I would, I would second that. I'm like, no, she is not an angel. Mariah begins to talk to her about Jesus and extends an invitation to her and says, listen, do you have a place to go on, on Easter Sunday? And the girl's like, no. I, Mariah's like, we'll find a ride for you. We'll send somebody. We'll, we'll make it happen. Why? Because Jesus loves you. He's for you. Can you imagine what good news that is when you wake up in a home you don't even know where you're at or how you got there? And by the way, your shoes are missing and it's raining. People are walking by you. Jesus wants to send us on a mission, friends. 
please don't make the mistake that he wants to wait until you graduate from college to make that happen. Please don't make the mistake to think that that's the assignment of your pastor, your youth pastor, your young adults pastor, your small group leader. Please don't try to delegate that responsibility. Why? Because Jesus reached towards us. He received us. And in fact, even when we were broken and flawed, Jesus says this, scripture says this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he's completely comfortable with the condition that you're in. Why? Because he knows the solution to fixing that condition. And it's not you. It's him. It's him. Would you bow your heads with me tonight as we prepare just for a moment of response. I asked two questions a moment ago, and I want to focus on those two questions really quickly. But first, I want to pray for those in the room tonight who you'd say, you know what, Tyler, tonight I need to respond to the reach of Jesus. I need to respond to his reach. Maybe you thought it's about you cleaning yourself up. Maybe you've told yourself, if I just attend enough church, maybe then I can deal with the guilt and the shame that is plaguing my conscience. Tonight, I would tell you, no, the solution is actually trusting the reach of Jesus. Will you respond to his reach? No amount of your effort or religious activity can fix the issues, friends. It requires a reach of a Savior. His name is Jesus. So tonight, if you're in this place with every head bowed for a moment, and you'd say, Tyler, tonight I need to respond to the reach of Jesus. I want him to reach down to make things new in my life, to forgive me of my sin, give me a fresh start. Even as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Tonight, if you're in this place and you'd say, Tyler, I want to respond to the reach of Jesus. If that's you, would you hold up a hand right now? Just hold it up for a moment and say, yeah, that's me, that's me. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. Awesome. Can I invite all of us to stand to our feet right now, just quietly in this atmosphere of worship? Second thing I want to pray for, and I'm going to pray for those of you who just raised a hand in a moment, but the second thing I want to pray for is for those of us who we are followers of Jesus, we have responded to his reach, but it's time for us to actually begin to respond with his reach. In other words, maybe we've been good at keeping it to ourselves or to our small group or our saved circle, but we understand tonight Jesus was willing to make some risky reaches, and it's time for me to begin to respond with the reach of Jesus to my campus, to my family, to my coworkers, to my community, to my neighborhood. Tonight, if that's you, and you say, hey, Tyler, it's, it's time for me to begin to respond with the reach of Jesus. I want you to just simply raise a hand and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. It's time for me to begin to respond with that reach. Awesome. Awesome. I want to pray right now. Father, I pray for every individual who raised a hand tonight. I pray first of all, Lord, for those who raised a hand, just representing that they want to respond to your reach. Lord, I thank you for the power of your saving grace. Lord, that you are all about reaching and receiving and restoring and redeeming. Lord, you finished the work that you came to do for us. 
And Lord, as we put our trust not in ourselves or our religious activity, but we put our trust in you, we learn through scripture that our sin is forgiven. Our debt is paid. In Christ, we are made a new creation. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you begin to prompt hearts that they have been made new tonight through your reach. Lord, as well, I pray for those who said that it's time for them to begin to respond with the reach of Jesus. If that was you again, can I just invite you, for those of us who say, yeah, I want to be sent out of this place with the reach of Jesus, can I invite you to just lift both hands really quick right now all across this room. Just say, yeah, Jesus, equip me. Holy Spirit, send me. Come on, would you say those words? Say, Holy Spirit, send me. Send us. Father, I pray for every hand that's raised in this room. Lord, that your spirit would begin to stir us. Lord, I thank you for the indwelling of your Holy Spirit within us. Even in Acts 2, we see that the Holy Spirit comes on us for mission. Jesus, you declared in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and we will be witnesses. So, Lord, I pray that you would send us from this place. Hearts open, mouths ready. And, Lord, hands that are willing to make some risky reaches. Lord, I pray that college campuses and university campuses would never be the same in Jesus' name. God, I pray for neighborhoods, places of work, coffee shops, co-workers, family members, communities, junior highs, high schools. God, I pray that they would be turned upside down. I pray, God, that you would begin to stir an awakening in Calvary like we've never seen before. Jesus, just as you were willing to reach toward us, God, there was a risk. You still do it knowing that some would choose to reject it, yet you still made the risk. You still chose to reach. God, I pray that we would be willing to be people who reach with your reach, even knowing that Yeah, some may choose to reject it. Some may make fun of us. Some of us may have to sacrifice our pride or our ego. But God, it's worth it because you were willing to reach to us. And we choose to be people who reach with you, with your grace, with your love, with your strength. In Jesus' name, amen.